We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everyone, to the uh, Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Obviously, every Tuesday, it's Jake and Joe uh, getting you set for Wavewire stuff. But we finally hit August, Jake. We, we can finally really start mm-hmm. diving into the training camp news and uh, get ever closer to those Wavewire pickups. This podcast, though, has been a staple for us for as many years as we've been doing the podcast together. I think it's four or five now uh, when it comes to Wavewire. We always preach strategy, uh, different tips and tricks, and We've got the Dynasty stuff covered with Alan Slazowski and uh, all the best ball things with John and Mario on the Thursday shows. I don't really feel like there's enough talk about auction drafts, though. Yeah, especially just redraft auction. You know, everyone wants to go into the really niche things, but uh, this is the – I mean, we're going to hit some training camp news. We're going to do some redraft auction, just overarching themes. Hopefully, we'll be able to help you. If you're just do, if you're just doing an auction for the first time, you need to listen to this podcast, right? It'll give, it'll give you everything that you kind of have to expect and watch out for. Hopefully, we can give the veterans some tips as well. And depending on how we do for time, we'll probably uh, – we'll do a little bit of player evaluation as well here, uh, you know, for your standard redraft leagues yeah i mean we labeled it the the five tips to dominate your fantasy football auction draft i think we're going to stick with that because there's there's a lot of different nuances within an auction draft strategy overall now to be fair to the listeners you and i are prepping for what is arguably the biggest draft at rotoway or rotoway stake league which will happen not this time next week but the day after on wednesday mm-hmm. well, uh, a week from tomorrow we got yeah. stake league auctions stakes Literally on the line uh, when it comes to the Madison uh, office place. A lot of bragging rights, uh, obnoxiously so, especially for the tech side of things. And I guess you too, since you've been dominant now uh, in the stake league format for a number of years, it's a really important thing. So when we're talking about auction strategies and what what we will be doing, it is going to be what you will see in here come next Wednesday when the Rotowire Stake League auction takes place. Important to note, I'm also going to be doing a few auction drafts over on the NFFC. Uh, we have the, the great guys over with Greg Ambrosius and such helping us at the Rotoware Online Championships. But there's other variations of drafts on the NFFC. I loved the auction draft when I did a couple of years ago. Hoping to dive into that more. So this is going to be a comprehensive strategy podcast that you can be used for multiple places as well, too. Whether it be your friends and family ones, some high stakes ones. There's a lot of uh, things I'm excited to dive into. So. Let's go ahead and hit the music. Again, welcome everyone to the RotoWire Fantasy Football Podcast. 
brought to you by our friends over at Circus Sports. Obviously, Joe Bartle, you can follow me at JB Fantasy Sports on Twitter. I will refer to it always and forever as Twitter. You can't make me otherwise. Uh, alongside me, as always, is Jake Tarski. You can follow me at Roto Jake. Again, five tips and tricks to dominate your auction drafts. We'll be going over some strategy conversation, uh, different plans of attack when it comes to nominating players, guys that we might be undervaluing or overvaluing, what to do with unicorn positions, uh, specifically Travis Kelsey, but over the years, the history, what that's kind of looked like and, and how to operate. Before we do all that, though, let's talk about circus sports for a second here. So get ready for more millions guaranteed. It's the biggest pro football contest in Vegas, and they're back and bigger than ever with 14 million in guaranteed prizes only at Circus Sports. You must enter Nevada, but you can play from anywhere. There's two ways to win and no break. You can play at Circa Million, make five picks against the spread each week with 100% payback to players. The grand final winner takes home $1 million. Last place takes home $100,000. It's your favorite, Jake. It's a booby prize. With quarterly and full-season payouts, $6 million in guaranteed total. You can also do the uh, Circus Survivor to select one team each week straight up with no repeat selections. If the team loses or ties, the entries eliminate. Each team can only be picked once in a season. Go 20-0 and zero or... 0 and 20, last person standing to win it all. $8 million guaranteed across both those. $14 million in guaranteed prizes. Visit circusports.com for more details. All right. Before we get to the auction stuff, Jake, there was a bit of news and notes from today. Frankly, over the past couple week or so, as teams have reported training camp, it's been a whirlwind of things. Today was a little bit chill. Uh, yeah, we're, I mean, we're it's just the, the weekend. Of, the weekend like yes. culminated with a lot of big things. Uh, you know, and first and foremost, which we don't have to get into a ton, was the Jonathan Taylor situation, right? I mean, Jeff and Nick talked about this a lot yesterday. Obviously, there seems to be some bad blood there that has culminated in a trade request. Really, the only advancement of news that has happened with Jonathan Taylor since yesterday is that video came out where he was at practice and he was watching drills. I'm not sure if you've seen the one that I'm talking about here, but no, he looks so... He looked, I guess this circulated on Twitter and Reddit yesterday. He's uh, he's not wearing pads. The running backs are in pads doing doing drills, just uh, you know, uh, you know, against the dummies. And he is he's like walking around, and he looks like I played like six softball games and drank fifty beers in a weekend. Tried to get off the couch, and then took a walk, and just real, real, real stiff. Um, so again, he is that he aspect. selling the injury in your mind? Are we are we playing? I don't. His back it's thing? not in his best interest to sell the injury, right? Because sure. if it's a back injury, then he could go on NFI as opposed to if it's an ankle injury, right? That's football related, and the Colts have to pay him regardless of uh, you know they still have to pay him for this year regardless. If this feud really really gets ugly, they want to claim a back injury happened off the field. They could fight for that salary back here. You know, so it depends on how ugly this whole situation gets. I'm just saying he looked a little stiff. And uh, I guess, you know, Nick and Jeff hit this yesterday, but, uh, you know, what does that do for you? How low does he have to fall before, um, you know, before you actually take him in a draft? And I think that's a valid question to ask every single day until we get some clarity. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I think I want more data right now. If we were to do the, the, the Rotoware Online Championship, $250,000 grand prize, I'm not taking Jonathan Taylor. I, I don't, well, maybe like a sixth round or seventh round. I, I, will, mm-hmm. I won't have him. And, this is coming from somebody that was saying, "Hey, Jonathan Taylor, pick thirteen. I'll I'll jump the ADP curve. I'll make that. Yeah, I'll go ahead. And it happen. is it is so amazing how things changed from when we first started this thing two weeks ago, right? I was ready to take Jonathan Taylor over Saquon Barkley because Saquon was the guy with the contract right, troubles, true. and JT seemed relatively safe, probably disgruntled at the market in general, but relatively safe here. Now it is completely flipped. Saquon Barkley is a first round pick, and you might not even want to take JT in the third. And uh, 
I have several JT shares already mm. between the Staff Dynasty League and between the Fishbowl this year. Uh, so I'm kind of in your camp, whereas I cannot have any more exposure to him until I get some positive news. Yeah, the other bit of news that occurred yesterday was that Zach Moss uh, broke, I think it was his forearm, but mm-hmm. they're just saying arm in general, likely out most of September. It's a six- to eight-week injury, so you think four weeks for the preseason here. Optimistically, back by week three or week four, um, I mean, Zach Moss, after that trade with Naheem Hines and the, the Colts and Bills at the deadline last year, mm-hmm. ended up being a serviceable guy. And, you know, we talk about it on many podcasts, as somebody could, you could trot in there in deeper leagues as a, a flex or running back two in the worst-case scenario. I mean, now it really is primed for Deion Jackson, who was the guy who stepped up for JT when he was injured mm-hmm. with that high ankle sprain early in the season to be the main ball carrier or number of veteran running backs uh, still in See- the market. I don't think they're going to go that route I don't because uh, because this is a team that's clearly rebuilding, right? So what good does it do to uh, you know pay Delvin Cook six million dollars? You know it doesn't. And you know, we can talk about Delvin Cook in a second. It seems like he has his destination all but picked yeah. out. But uh, yeah, so Deion Jackson sitting atop the step chart. I mean, Deion Jackson and Zach Moss collectively produced in the absence of Jonathan Taylor, right? So that goes again in the, on the Colts side as to, as to not pay Jonathan Taylor. I don't think the Colts, they came out and maybe kind of said that under the new you know coach and the new offense here, they're not going to extend anybody until they see how they play within this scheme. You know, that includes guys like Michael Pittman that'll be up in a year here. So And, and really, that's smart as an organization. As much as a, a Badger alum, you know, I stand with Jonathan Taylor. I hope he gets paid. It could very well end up, because uh, Tony Dungy chimed in on this on Twitter too. He was like, Yes, Edrin James deserved all the money the Cardinals gave him, but then they used Joseph Adai and and then somebody else, and they got exactly the amount. They got seventeen hundred rushing yards from those two guys, two guys that season, and then that let him say, sign Reggie Wayne and Dwight Freeney and, and you know other key pieces here. So I don't know. It, it, it just is. It is what it is there. But uh, fantasy wise, Deion Jackson's looking better again. We talked about this more than I thought, but um, but Jonathan well, I, Taylor. Well, I'm going to add yeah. one more nugget mm-hmm. because you said they're a rebuilding team. That might be true. There are reasons if you were to say, hey, I want Zeke to go ahead and just absorb a bunch of carries. You could flip him at the trade deadline. If you were to sign with another team next offseason, you get like a fifth mm-hmm. or sixth round con- compensatory pick. Like there are ways yeah. to make this kind of baseball-y. We're doing this on the eve of the MLB trade deadline, mm-hmm. so maybe that's why it's in my head. Exactly. There are ways to manufacture that roster spot and have a turnover for next year, even if you want quality play. I don't think they're going to sign a veteran running back because the JT situation has feel feels deteriorated to the point where no return. Signing Ezekiel Elliott or Leonard Fournette to take over starting role opportunities would mm-hmm. literally be the nail in that coffin. And I'm not sure, no matter what Jim Irsay was saying uh, to reporters, I'm not sure he really wants to put the hammer to that nail exactly. just yet. As much as having a solid running game will help a young quarterback like Anthony Richardson maybe take a little bit of the pressure off of him, um, that, that just does not seem like something they're going to do. And I noticed you mentioned Ezekiel Elliott and Leonard Fournette because we can pretty much say that, I mean, Delvin Cook looks like he's off the market, right? If he's standing there visiting Jets practices, watching practice, there's a pretty decent chance Delvin Cook ends up with According the to his ESPN tour, I feel like he's done like 16 different interviews with Dan Patrick or other ESPN platforms, not even hinting. It, it's kind of mm-hmm. like uh, when you're in high school and – uh, you're definitely actually dating somebody, but you you don't really want to like put the label on it. Uh-huh. Oh, I'm not with so and so, but you know, just in case a... the prom queen opens up, right? Yeah, yeah, wanna... yeah. Just a couple more wink winks. In this case, I don't think there's any other variation of the prom queen. I mean, like this this fits what the Jets want to do. Of course, our boy Aaron Rodgers takes the massive pay cut. 
Uh, we could make another ex-girlfriend example that is a bit more elicited in details, but I'm not happy about it as a Packers fan. Jets fans should absolutely be happy. Yeah. It seems like that move was a precursor, not only getting mm-hmm. Dalvin Cook, but if you listen to Rogers' uh, quotes a couple days ago, that the Jets will make a move at the trade deadline mm-hmm. if and when a star player were to come around and yeah. have that financial stability or, or maneuverability, I should say, is kind of the key piece. So Delvin Cook is just one part of that Aaron Rodgers uh, cap restructure that happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely here. And, uh, I mean, assume he signs with the Jets today. What does that do for your Brees Hall love? I know I'm lower on Brees Hall than, more, on mo- than most already, and you're higher than most already. Brees Hall is sitting there. i got to do a quick ADP check here. You know, I bet you he's falling top, in the fourth round. Yeah, he's top 30, or he's 33 if you go overall. If I look over the last month, which I should have had that ready beforehand. Okay, so that's but, still a, yeah. a mid-third round price if you're going with tall teams. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you're right. I, I won't touch him until the fifth or sixth round. I, I was uh, I was probably the, the the main staple of the, I'm not worried about Brees Hall's uh, knee injury among the Rotowire crowd. We had a, a lot of smart minds like yourself and Mario and John. Uh, on the Thursday show, and even Alan Sosowski, who is a Jets fan, saying, no, I don't want to take Brees Hall. Oh. I probably should have listened to you guys a little bit more. I did get at least one share of Brees Hall. Uh, I will not any longer. I, I I think the Delvin Cook thing is at once the Jets capitalizing on some name brand recognition that the Rodgers trade has given them, uh, and to be able to get a quality player, likely to discount, I'd have to imagine. So you never really want to pass that up, especially if you're trying to make a playoff mm-hmm. run. But I also think it's if like Brees Hall was completely healthy, it would be the same concept as what I was describing with Jonathan Taylor, right? They, they don't want to piss off their star running back by getting somebody who's equally comparable and talented to split work. No, I, I think uh, they're concerned about Brees Hall's progress. And to me, it feels like it's Javante Williams from last year where he missed the first month of the season. I will not be taking any more Brees Hall. I think he's going to be falling at least past fifth round for me before I consider it. Mm-hmm. I'll maybe stab a couple best balls late if I end up having zero exposure in the portfolio towards you know the last week in August here. And uh, yeah, if you go his overall ADP this year, it's thirty three. If you go over the last month, it's forty. So he's definitely been falling recently. Yeah. Uh, other quick hits. So we had Ronald Jones suspended for two games. That's an interesting one because right now it's just second year running back Malik Davis. Uh, five, six, five, seven, Deuce Vaughn, I think at his best. Mm-hmm. Everyone saw those clips of him running behind that backfield uh, and the offensive line and everything else. Uh, it, it would make sense for Zeke to come back if the pride could happen, but I don't think either Jerry Jones or Zeke will. So you consider Kareem Hunt and Leonard Fournette still there. Do they just not go with any yeah. star running back I mean, back this is the all? opposite of the Colts, right? The Cowboys have some pretty big expectations to win, so that running back room is looking very thin. You know, if we're doing – stake league auctions right now i wouldn't be shocked if malik davis went for more than dollar days you know oh yes i would agree with you on that one at this point too yeah i like that we're talking dollar days uh when it comes to the auction draft stuff a little bit later in the show otherwise real quick tim patrick tears his acl uh it feels unfortunately like a yearly thing for him uh, in terms of the hype when it happens and then a significant injury now i think this is two maybe mm-hmm. three consecutive years of tim patrick uh yeah out okay. for the season before week one even takes place mm-hmm. and then um Dalton Schultz having a rib issue. Okay, fine. Anthony Richardson back at practice after having a, a I want, nose yeah. issue before. I wanted a quick note on that because, okay, so I'm also the MMA editor for Rotowire, and fighters who get a deviated septum fix, they say it's night and day, their whole life changes. It is, oh. it is, it is an amazing thing to be able to actually breathe out of both nostrils. I Say what you want about uh, Mr. Joe Rogan, but he did a rant on his show last week um, about how, because I think he had the same procedure done too, and, it, you know, it's big for fighters who are getting – Punched in the face, of course, sure. but uh, just, I mean, to be able to breathe out of both nostrils, good for him. Um, that can only be good. 
Yeah. Uh, anything else you want to touch on, or are we, we good to move on? I think we nailed the news here. Um, again, Nick and Jeff did a great job recapping the weekend. Check those guys out on Mondays, of course, and you know we'll clean up anything else. Cool. Before we get to the auction stuff, let's just dive in with our other sponsors here at Fantrax. For you fantasy football players out there, is there something you wish your fantasy league had or features that are missing, missing from your current league? Bonus scoring, custom schedule or playoffs, deeper team settings? We'll look no further because we have you covered with our friends at Fantrax. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, offering you the greatest fantasy experience for your dynasty keeper, redraft, and best ball leagues. Create or join a fantasy football commissioner league. Invite your friends and dominate your draft this season. Fantrax is the top dynasty fantasy football platform in the industry. Coming from another service, well, not a problem. Fantrax can easily import any of your current leagues and rosters and customize them if need be. Ever have a trade go wrong or make a mistake in dropping a player? Fantrax Commissioner Tools allows you to undo any move with one simple click. If there's anything lacking in your current fantasy league, Fantrax likely has it. Fantrax is running a special promotion that you won't want to miss. Sign up for free at Fantrax.com slash rotowire. R-O-T-O wire today to enter for your chance to win tickets to any regular season NFL game for you and your entire league, plus $6,000 in spending cash. That's right. Free tickets for your entire league plus 6K in cash. Simply create a new league or bring over your existing league for more chances to win. Uh, go to Fantrax.com slash RotoWire and sign up today. Fantrax, the home of fantasy sports. I got to do one note on Fantrax. I know this is a football show, but as the college basketball editor, there are really no other options to run a mm. to run a keeper league or a college basketball league. They got the whole database ready to roll, and unless you want to code it your damn self, um, you pretty much are using Fantrax and you know free of course. So that, that's 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 my bit on Fantrax. They're helpful there. I bet you could probably still get that uh, that deal as well. Rotowire dot com, uh, Fantrax, right? You just get that to work out for you just uh, pretty easily. So mm-hmm. I, I preface at the top of the show that we're. We are ourselves preparing for the RotoWire Stake League draft, which, again, at the office here is probably the most important one. We'll do articles on it. I'm sure uh, Nick and Jeff over the coming weeks on SiriusXM will mm-hmm. talk about it. We'll probably recap some of it on our podcast. Like, this is this is an overarching thing. Like It's it, a big it, deal. There's a sad thing because normally it would fall on the Tuesday and we'd get the show to do it We've right afterwards. We've had past couple years. Yeah. But there were a lot of scheduling contact, conflicts and we had to do it on the Wednesday. So, uh, you know, we're just getting prepped up with some with some strategy here for now. And uh, unfortunately, uh, we won't be the ones recapping it this year, but I'm sure we will reference it plenty of times. So there's a number of different ways in which you could be successful in auction leagues. And I, you know, the, the normal stuff, be aware of your league members, uh, be aware of the scoring system, how many roster spots, that, that all applies. Mm-hmm. But the part about the auction drafts that I really enjoy the most is being strategic on when you're bidding, being strategic on how you're bidding. And I think that's significantly different um, than a redraft or best ball or anything else like that. Mm-hmm. And, it, and it could apply to any sort of auction draft. Like you could just do a friends and family rookie draft one, or mm-hmm. I'll be doing one uh, with a few friends that incorporates college players this year. This, this strategy, this process is all encompassing. Exactly. And I will say, even before we really get into the weeds here, that um, doing an auction is so much superior to a snake draft, right? It's just better in every single way. Now, some people might not like the fact that it's harder to luck into a championship if you're doing an auction because it is a little bit more. You have to know the whole player pool. You can't just take a guess when it's uh, when it's your turn to pick. And and you know, on top of that, you just you can't check out if you if you're at one end of the snake draft, you can check out for a while. Um, can't really do that in auctions if uh, you know somebody that you want is on the board. You have to be ready to bid if someone you've targeted or if somebody that 
maybe you haven't targeted, but is going for a little bit of a cheaper price that's out there, you have to be on your toes. But you have a lot more control of your entire team in an auction format. And more importantly, if you want Justin Jefferson and don't have a number one or two pick, you're not going to get him in your snake draft here. But if you really want Justin Jefferson, you can make dang sure you get him in your auction value. So that's kind of what we're going to talk about off the top. Um, I want to do a little precursor note uh, that generally when we give a number out for a player here, it's going to be a 12-team redraft, three wide receivers, half PPR on a $200 budget. I think this is pretty much the industry standard. If you're trying to start a new auction league or salary cap league, a lot of times they're called, um, you know, with, with your buddies or just trying to get into one, I think that is the most um, the most common one. Do you know off the top of your head how that compares to the NFL? FC or not quite yet? Uh, it, it was 400 budget, I think. Okay, yep. It's been two years um, mm-hmm. that I've done it, but full point PPR, which is mm-hmm. all NFFC yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. So, touchdown. But 12 mm-hmm. teams was the same thing. Exactly, yeah. So, uh, again, we're going to $200 budget. If you're playing in that kind of format, double the price that we reference. If you're playing in uh, – I know uh, i got to get this changed in our draft software, but that tends to make 100 the default. Cut the price in half, of course. So, interesting. You know, we got to well, start hold, with the, Hold on, okay, Jake. Go like, ahead. The software is really, really good specifically for auction drafts. Like, I think that's one of the parts that if I'm to pitch RotoWare to somebody who doesn't know us and is getting ready for a fantasy football season is doing these drafts, mm-hmm. literally our software, I feel like, is one of the best across everywhere. Uh, when au- yes. when auction draft stuff comes up to play, and, and it, it it's sometimes a little stressful to be targeting the bids and and having to enter them all in. We do have a couple sites that we can sync with and log all your bids, but the software is very useful. One, because custom rankings, like with anything. There's a big difference between two wide receivers, three wide receivers, full PPR, zero PPR. It changes your entire cheat sheet, right? That's the whole concept of value-based ranking, you know, based on positional scarcity and all these things. We do this with auctions as well. Um, you know, and one thing that you'll notice here when we get to the top players, if you have two running backs, two re- two receivers, and a flex, and no PPR, um, you're going to have a running back at the top of that list, and it's likely going to be Christian McCaffrey. But if you do, like I, like we're going to kind of go with, the, uh, the 12-team, three wide receivers, half PPR, $200 budget, um, Justin Jefferson is currently at the top of that list. And before we get into the real specific players here, I like to think, and maybe you notice this in some of your auctions here, that there tends to be value on the very, very first player that's out mm. there. Now, again, in auctions, you get to nominate your players. Justin Jefferson isn't necessarily the first person that goes up for nomination, right? He might be if the person who's first on the clock is asleep and lets it auto-dominate. But most likely, uh, somebody else will get nominated, and we'll talk. We'll touch strategy here in a second. But what I've noticed in the Rotowire Stake League auction specifically, which is a couple more teams, but a lot of the similar principles apply, is... And, and whether it's football or baseball, there tends to be a little bit of value in the first player. Now, you, you, somebody might go a little nuts and, and, and make that not the case. That's always possible because, uh, you know, just like these values that we spit out in our programs, you know, when people ask about them, I tend to say, you know, we'll, we'll do an old Disney reference. It's like Pirate's Code, right? You know, they're not really rules. They're more like guidelines. You know, it's the, the, one of some of Johnny Depp's greatest That's like mid-Disney stuff. That's not old Disney. Old That's Disney. Like I, I don't know what kind of, uh, you know, I guess our demographic You clearly don't have a two-year-old wide. kid that just watches Disney movies ad nauseum. I see that. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, but I mean, your kid's not old enough for Pirates of the Caribbean, right? Is he? Oh, we'll make him old enough. Don't you worry about that. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if I like that statement. Um, anyway, so 
So, so yeah, there's a ballpark, and every auction is going to be different. You can come in with a plan. You have to be ready to adapt to that plan. You might want to allocate certain percent of your budgets towards uh, eight different types of positions. You might want to allocate your budget for um, starters versus bench players. Those are all strategies you can take into play, but you have to be ready to uh, change that draft strategy on the fly and and accommodate because every league is a little bit different. Rotowire or whatever your choice is, hopefully it's Rotowire, but we'll they'll make projections and you know we have within the software uh, we have a cool feature called inflation. We'll talk, we'll get that in a little bit. That'll adjust the dollar values based on um, you know who's already been taken off the board and how much they are, and it also comes into play in keeper leagues here. Um, so there's a lot going on there, but. Um, Y'all, you definitely have to be ready to uh, adjust your game plan because different leagues will run differently. Some leagues, everyone will be really, really tight and won't want to spend their money. Some leagues, eight guys are going to go into all-out bidding wars for four studs at the top. So I would just say that don't be shy to jump in here because, uh, you know, cause, okay, so, you know, let's take Justin Jefferson right well, at the can beginning. Well, can I put a pause? Because yep. I, okay, go ahead. Real life example, last year, I ended up getting Jonathan Taylor as the very first nomination for $62, $62 mm-hmm. in the Brutal Warrior Stake League on my side of things. There's two different divisions, doesn't yep. really matter for the listeners. But your draft, uh, I think, had him at 66, which was still a value, but that was the very first nomination as well. And mm-hmm. it goes back to, uh, I think the next player would have been McCaffrey or it might have even been Jefferson at 56 or 57. At that point last year, JT was the unanimous 1-1. To get a $5 difference between the two was significant. Like I, I felt like I made the right strategic to- choice to go ahead and get in on Jonathan Taylor right away. Of course, mm-hmm. with our stake league budget at 200, having to operate the rest of the way at 140, a little bit tricky, but I got the guy I want. Now, I know it didn't work out. It was horrendously bad and one of the many reasons why exactly. I had to pay for your stake last year, Jake, mm-hmm. but their real life application of getting in the right away. And I got a discount relative to what number one overall guaranteed JT was last year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So let's just say, uh, yeah, we put the, Alan put $37 in the graphic, right? I think he likes to put some controversial numbers out there just so we can get more. Oh yeah. The eyeballs are on the 37. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. People what be like, what the this? heck? Yeah, exactly. But, um, so no, let's just, you know, off the top, Rotowire software projects Justin Jefferson at $59 here and to illustrate, illustrate this example here. Um, there could be a situation where, you know, say we're using these as guidelines, right? Justin Jefferson's the first player off the board. People might get a little shy, especially if they're first-time users. There could I've seen situations play out similarly where let's say someone grabs Justin Jefferson for $57, maybe even below projection, or say someone grabs Justin Jefferson for 60. But then when you start getting down the list, suddenly Jamar Chase, who we projected $54, could go up to just amount the same. And some people start to feel you never want to be the last of a tier yep. in, uh, in that's an a different, auction. That's a different that's thing, a whole different, segment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a whole segment here. <laughs> you know, we'll, let, we'll, we'll get a, another read before then. But um, there, there could definitely be a point where you, there's value. What I'm trying to say is there's value on the very first pick because people start to bid up the players not wanting to miss out on a Jamar Chase, not wanting to miss out on a Tyreek Hill or an A.J. Brown. And suddenly you could find that to get that elite tier of player, you're overpaying, you know, so let's see, A.J. Brown, we put it about 40 $44. Tyreek Hill, we put it about $48. You could end up paying $56 for one of those guys when you could have had Justin Jefferson for the same price because the price is getting driven up by people that are starting to get more more comfortable, people that think people that are thinking maybe I waited too long and I better start I better start thinking about buying someone right now. So there's it a happens very good every single year. Yes. Every single draft. That mm-hmm. is 
uh, a constant in, and it always occurs. And even if you end up being the guy that pays 56 for AJ Brown, you might be fine with it. Like there's, there's no issue, but recognize that will be something that happens every single time you are doing an auction draft without fail. There's never a point because we're 12 different humans with 12 different ideas of how we mm-hmm. value players and how we want to structure our roster. There's never a point where that won't occur. Our yeah. recommendation here is try to be the one that avoids that, right? And I think that's that's mm-hmm. my big key. And I, I want one of the like, best ways to avoid that is by buying that first player. Right, right. You know, don't be afraid to dip your toes in. And sometimes that effect will happen for the first two to three players a little bit. But it definitely happens the most noticeably on the first players. So our advice, more times than not, and, you know, guys like Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase, I mean, even if yeah, I think Burrow, I guess, is hopefully going to be okay now. These guys are pretty safe, right? You know, mm-hmm. you, you get your anchor of your team. You get a starter, hopefully, every single week that you don't have to worry about here. So it's not like um, it's not like you're making that bidding war on a Jonathan Taylor that's risky. You're, you're doing it on someone that's going to be an anchor of your team. Uncle Ted Talks is pushing the uh, Travis Kelsey narrative in terms yes. of number one overall auction guy. And we're going to get to the unicorn in a second. And I think there's a unicorn from an auction perspective in a lot of different drafts. JT might have been that last year. Travis Kelsey is a different animal. And certainly when your scoring system applies, significantly different. Because you, you could have had him at 1-1 overall in the Scott Fishbowl with their scoring system, whatever else. Yep. Before, before we talk that, Jake, real quick. I haven't really been a person that does this too often. And I think for every auction draft I'm going to do, this year, I'm going to try to make it a point. Now, I never, I want to be flexible. We always preach flexibility, so I won't be always doing this. But my first nomination is going to be a guy that I want to get. And I'll, I'll kind of go up to whatever it is to go get them. Again, I don't previously do this. I think actually mm-hmm. in past drafts, I would routinely toss out, oh boy, like the equivalent of oh, probably Jonathan Taylor this year or a yeah. guy that I definitely don't want. I'm, I'm just mm-hmm. never going to touch. And I want somebody to spend $35 on because I need that 35 off the table. Yep. I think, at least in the drafts that I've been in, and I will be in this year, the audience and the players are too smart. They, 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 they aren't going to fall into those traps where you're just trying to spend money, and I would mm-hmm. rather go get my guys and feel yes. comfortable being aggressive early and know that yep. my knowledge and my uh, adaptation of the drafts and how to model the redraft things, whatever else, that I can mm-hmm. maneuver later on. Yes. And it's a like- strategy change that I'm going to be doing this year. I like doing that with the first couple of players, right, where you can actually get that value on. Once you start to get to the 5th, 6th, 7th, 8th nomination, then people start to get a little keen to that, right? And people start to think that they have to buy someone, so you might not necessarily get that same value. So it depends a little bit on nomination order. But, you know, another strategy you can employ is, you know, if I'm looking at this list here, and I look at, and say you made up your mind on Christian McCaffrey, just for an example. Mm, right. Say you decided that, yes, he had a good year last year, and he is set up very well in an offense. But you might think that there are a lot of miles to feed there, and he's still the same injury-prone guy that um, you know that he has been. And you know he's, he's 27 years old, which is not super young in running back years. Say you made up your mind, and that was the case you were gonna, the stance you were going to take on Christian McCaffrey. If you're in the fifth, sixth bid, and he hasn't been nominated yet, throw him out there because someone's going to spend in the 50s on Christian McCaffrey, and that's. $55 less to compete with you. So there's there's the other there's the other way to do that too. I just think nominating the guy that you want is something that you only want to do if it's one of the first couple nominations. That's fair. And to be clear, I'm not suggesting nominating Darren Waller uh, right away. For, th- for this example, everyone loves Darren Waller. I'm not a huge fan. Yeah, exactly. But tight end eight or seven, that's going to be a scenario where 
oh, there's seven other tight ends. This is what your league mates mm-hmm. think. Oh, there's seven other tight ends. I'll go get my guy later on that I yep. might want. I'll be more aggressive. And then Darren Waller, who's normally a $20 guy, this example, mm-hmm. ends up going for 16 You're like, well, that's not a yeah. big deal. That $4 is a difference all mm-hmm. because you nominated him too early. Yep, exactly. So what I'm saying is you have to go for top tiers if you're going to try to Thank drain you. people's bu- uh, budgets out here. So say, for example, you have made up your mind that Derrick Henry has taken too much of a workload in the NFL mm-hmm. and that this is the year it all goes down. You throw him out there. Here. Say you have made up your mind, um, like me in the Stake League auction. I'm going to be nominating B. Jan Robinson very, very quickly. Oh, Allen's in your draft, so he's that's exactly. Why it's gonna I want to. Yeah, I'll draw. I'll draw all of his money out there. Actually, I don't know. He might have been replaced this year. Anyway, doesn't uh, semantics. Yeah, but anyway, um, you know, say you're. Say you don't believe in the in the Atlanta offense, and you do not believe um, in rookie running backs, which I know can come back to burn you a little bit here. Um, but you know, say maybe there's more of a timeshare with some of those guys than you think. With you know, with Algier, Pat, Patterson, what have you. Um, anyway. He's a guy you want to throw out early because you know there are going to be two or three B. Jan Robinson hype train machines in there mm-hmm. that think he should be the number one overall pick in fantasy drafts. Makes one of them pay a price that's only $2 less than McCaffrey instead of waiting 12, 15 nominations in here um, and go on. So I, I got a little spiel on Kelsey possibly being one overall. I want to validate TED Talks here, but do you want to do Blue Wire first? No, I, I want you to finish the Kelsey thing because it's it's a good conversation and this year specifically mm-hmm. is different than other ones like all this conversation that we had uh how you're nominating when you're doing it okay fine kelsey's a different beast altogether and he should be discussed in this conundrum of sorts no no, no. Let, let's get your okay. spiel up yeah so so for kelsey rotowire has a formula right in our draft software and our custom auction values um any other competitor or similar site that you subscribe to where you get custom auction values it's, it's going to have a formula right a guy like Travis Kelsey admittedly breaks that formula. There is a, a person at a unique position, you know, that that's not running back wide receiver court, or, or that's not one running back wide receiver. Um, a person at that position that is solo in one tier, so much above everybody else, breaks the auction value formula here. And you know, it makes sense for these sites like ours to maybe give out some strategy surrounding Kelsey. Instead of rewrite the formula here, because if we write the whole formula, it's just not going to work for next year, right, or the years after. So we've got something that's pretty balanced over the course of many years. But a guy like Kelsey is very unique in this. Um, So, for example, um, okay, we have Justin Jefferson at $59. We put Kelsey down at $44 because that's what the formula wants to do to tight ends. recognizing that Kelsey is a unicorn, you could easily go up to 55 on Kelsey and it wouldn't matter. I was in a 12 team uh, keeper league where you keep two guys and I had gotten, I was a seller the year before. So I had more money. I went up to 70 on Travis Kelsey last year and I was okay with it. He was one of the highest players gone because uh, you know, inflation, what we'll talk about and whatnot. So you can go high on Travis Kelsey. I, I mean, just to illustrate, we have Jefferson at 59, Kelsey at 44, looking at one of our primary competitors here, uh, McCaffrey is $59 and Kelsey is 58, or I'm sorry, not 58, 48, I should say, Kelsey is 48. So you're looking at $10-$12 difference because that's what the formula says and that's about and again this comes back to being uh willing and able to adapt live here. That's going to put Kelsey at 10-12 overall in the rankings, right? If you convert those. But mm-hmm. if you look at anybody's custom rankings, Travis Kelsey's more in the 5-6 range here. So just keep in mind that a formula as much as we want to adjust that and make it a- as good as possible, um it is 
a standard formula is not built for a guy like Travis Kelsey. So you need to take that into account in your auction leagues. And maybe, just maybe, if someone's sticking to their sheet real tough and they will not go over $48 for Kelsey and you want to go to 50 I have no problem with that, even in a, in a – and listen, that's a quarter of your budget on tight end. We'll talk about uh, position allocation in a yes. second. That can be a little bit risky. That could also um, that could also be a difference maker for you in your league. Kelsey has been a league-winning player for a number of years now here, and uh, that is a perfectly rational thing to do if you have to. So talking about number one overall players here, you, you, you want to get – I think to summarize the whole thing up, it's okay to overbid what your cheat sheet says on a guy like Kelsey. It's okay to get right around to the projection, even a couple dollars more uh, on a guy like Jefferson to make sure that you don't end up way overpaying for the Tyreek Hill, A.J. Brown type type of tier. Or, you know, maybe if you really want Tyreek Hill out of everybody, go nominate him first and uh, and see if you can get some value there because people are thinking, ooh, I want to save my money for Jefferson and guys get into a bidding war here. And uh, I think uh, we'll save this into the next segment because there's a whole Stars versus Scrubs approach that can mm, throw the yeah. pricing off on the entire top tier of players. Yeah, and I, I'm really curious at least your thoughts on how to budget things. Again, if you're working on a $200 budget or a $400 budget with auction drafts, it's best that you come prepared with some idea either on written paper or on one of your softwares that Rotoware provides or elsewhere that you want to have a certain amount allocated to different positions. I want to dive into that topic in just a second. Let's get a word from our sponsors here at Blue Wire. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. And again, talking about different allocation of resources, whether it's $200 budget, $400 budget, whatever else, how you plan to put X percent of your salary into whatever position. Do you feel like you, because I know like the Harry Thompson, who's uh, a wonder whiz over there, unfortunately, because he, he teases me every year about how much better he is. And it's fine. Uh, he won't <laughs> be this year, but he has for the past couple of years. We'll have a little sheet. And he showed me where... This is how much I'm going to have for my running backs and wide receivers. And essentially that means I need to get a running back two in this tier, blah, 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 blah. Mm -hmm. And I like the flexibility that comes without having literally numbers down as to what I want to do. However, Mm -hmm. you can 
go a little bit overboard as yeah. well, anyone does spending mm-hmm. on anything. So I go a little bit of a different strategy. Now, again, if you are flexible and not afraid to adapt, you can do that. You can allocate. I'm going to spend $10 tops on a quarterback. I want to spend uh, $70 on my running back, 70 on my receiver and get a tight end under, under 20. That is one way to do it. Allocating by position. And that is fine. As long as you can make a plan and are not, are not too rigid. What I do though, what I prefer to do is, do kind of a stars and scrubs approach, right? Don't think of it as by position. Think of it, I'm going to spend 90% of my starting budget on my starting lineup and 10% on reserves. I have no problem at all filling out my reserves with six $1 players if I have to. I would rather, um, and so, so in that strategy, I am trying to fill out the starting lineup because let's face it here. I mean, a lot of these guys in dollar days, they sound fun in an August 1st podcast here, but also a lot of those guys are going to be getting dropped for guys on the waiver wire which Joe and I are going to help you out with all season long here on the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast here. So I prefer to look at it that way. I don't like to rag on that strategy, whatever works for people. I just, if you're going to allocate by position, I just, you need to be ready to be more flexible. It's less of a shell shock if you overpay, um, you know, say you end up getting Kelsey for $50 here, Mm -hmm. right? Chances are you didn't allocate 50 for your tight end unless you thought 100% sure I was going in and getting Kelsey right here. So, but, so it's shell shocks and you have to recalculate if you did the by position method, but if you did starters and bench players and allocated like that, then, you know, you could still stay within line. Yeah. And, that might yeah. be the perfect marriage to what I was discussing. And again, I don't, I don't want to be too rigid, especially in auction drafts. That's part of the value to me in playing in this platform that I can have some flexibility and however I want to roster and construct, but I always want to be careful and don't want to go overboard. So people who are worrying about the auction drafts are like, well, Hey, you know, I, can't budget my groceries and movies very well. Why would I want to budget my fantasy players? You you can meld this to whatever you want to do, but it's very easy if you walk in with a certain plan. And I think the best the best case scenario is not my running back two needs to be twenty dollars, but mm-hmm. my starters at this position need to be X. My receivers exactly. at this need to be X. And yeah. if I'm off by one or two, where does that come? And that's the other key yeah. that I wanted to add, mm-hmm. Jake, is that. If I'm making a budget, and I will, especially for the NFFC auction drafts, but for the stake league too, uh, there are positions that I know I'll probably be a bit more aggressive. Let's just say Nick Chubb, for example. If uh, mm-hmm. instead of $50, which is his listed price on the Rotowire software, we go for 53 where is that $3 coming out from? Yeah, and for exactly. me, I'd say it's quarterback two or mm-hmm. uh, my IDP players, again, for the stake league. Play- exactly. Stuff. Yeah, and, and the other thing that having that kind of plan comes into play with is it does it helps you ensure that you're not leaving money on the table. Yes. That is the absolute worst thing you can do in an auction is leave even an extra dollar on the table here. You want to make sure that the entirety of your budget gets used. And a lot of times, uh, so this is what I kind of was hinting at in, in the last segment there, um, this top tier of players, these top 10, 12 guys, I like to do that stars and scrubs approach. Sometimes I find myself in a league that – there are a lot of people that like that stars and scrubs approach. So even though our top 10, 12 guys are somewhere between 45 and $55, those top 12 guys might go to 55 to $65 and you have to be ready to adapt to that. There's another benefit to grabbing that first player early, right? Because if you've got a lot of people doing that stars and scrubs thing and are up in that tier, you can definitely get some major value by grabbing grabbing the first guy in, in the auction there. And uh, you also need to be willing to adjust to that because if you're sitting there and 20 players have gone off the board, you don't have a buy yet because they're all over your projected dollar value. Guess what? You did something wrong because you just gave up your first and second round pick. 
in a snake draft. Sure. That's what it is. Do you want to have your whole team composed of third through fifth rounders? Some people like that. Some people have that stable. For me, that's putting way too many guys on your bench. That's putting way too much bench production and then going in without any studs that are going to match up one-on-one with your opponent's studs. So here. what you're describing is what I always call the binge zone. And there's typically two binge zones in a draft. The first one that's most noticeable is about that hour before the draft is done. Let's say it's a 12-team league and there's like $35. One guy's got 27. One guy's got nine. But like it's you're all in that 25 to 30 range. And the only players left are Jacoby Myers and Juju Smith-Schuster uh, and Damian Pierce. And it's like, oh, well, Damian Pierce is three rounds higher in redraft. Everyone's been eyeing up that player. So the idea is that they're going to go, yeah, well, only one person can. They'll mm-hmm. have invested almost all the resources into it. And now you're left sitting with 26 to spend on the Jacoby Myers, uh, the Dallas Goddard's man. That's not even a great example, but yeah. the, the Chidi Conquus, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah, you're overpaying at the end because you have the money and you feel like you need to spend it. That's not the position you want to be in. And if you are aggressive enough early, you should never have to be in that position. And the other binge zone is what you just mentioned, where you're binging on the third and fifth round guys. Now that has been successful in certain formats. We do like the, we do a 20-team NBA auction where essentially you're just getting like one Giannis and then everyone else is scrubby. The most successful thing has been actually just making sure you have eight or nine different roster spots that are good, but it's much more fun to spend two-thirds of your budget on Giannis, so I get it. The same thing could be applied for the stake league, right? Like you are going to have a good lineup of starters. Your bench might be one or two dollar, dollar guy days at the end. That might be your strategy, but others will have that because it's a season-long league that also really takes into account points scored in a given week. Like that, that way, that scoring system allows for the bench to be a bit more important than what you're kind of describing. I really think the avoiding those binge zones is key. And if it means you have to go take a bathroom break during one of those, or if it means that you <laughs> will be you got them, right? <laughs> no. in the first 12 nominations, fine. But I've found the most, uh, the most awkwardness in an auction draft is when I'm, debating heavily in those and i'm like well damn it why did i put myself in this place in the first place i mean just so for example you miss out on that on that whole top tier guys you're that guy that is 25 picks in and you haven't made a buy yet and you're starting to get nervous here's what your team ends up looking like you get trevor lawrence pat fryermuth james cook rashad penny michael pittman um Joe Mixon's, I feel like, always in this. Yeah, that would Joe be my, my binge zone. Right? Like, oh, throw, throw Gabe Davis, uh, <laughs> Traylon Burks in there. You know, I, I, I mean, that's what you're looking at if you go through for a whole team like that. And those guys can each individually be valuable pieces, but when your entire team is composed of those guys, um, you know, you might have some problems. you got to get your studs in there. I would, I would definitely recommend doing that. So I'm, um, I'm being mindful of the time, Jake, because I really yes. want you to talk about this. The inflation aspect yes. is a really big deal, uh, whether it be on our app or in other places that you're playing this game. But inflation is specifically meant for leagues where you are keeping, like your Travis Kelsey, you, you could keep two players in your league and bring them over. Mm-hmm. See, That's see, where inflation comes to play. See, and not always, and not necessarily. That's why I'm Ooh. glad we're hitting this because we're on we're on the exact same we're on the same wavelength here. Because I was like, okay, time. Let's make sure we get to talk about inflation, right? And inflation is not, um, you know, if this is the first time you're listening to the show every year, it's not the uh, you know the economic policy um, that you've been hearing about so much <laughs> over the last couple of years. It works a little bit different in fantasy football here, unfortunately. Um, our software has a feature on it that you can check and click to refresh for inflation. And basically what it does is it calculates the total amount of dollar money that is of dollars that are available in all the leagues, you know, to, to still spend. And uh, it, it, it factors that against the players that have all been uh, taken. 
and then it recalculates the auction values to see um, to see how much um, to see how much um, it's changed based on what's bought. So, for example, the best way to explain this is if uh, if you have ten guys that go over budget, that go well over budget, for example, you take them off, assign them to teams, you hit refresh. Um, the the prices will actually be um, they'll, they'll be they'll be a bit, little bit higher on the tier, but there's the there's less money available for the same pool of talent, mm-hmm. so the prices, um, you know, the prices will uh, will actually go down when this happens, you know, over over the course of a thing. And also, um, the other the opposite of that is in keeper leagues, like like you kind of hinted at. So it can happen in redraft leagues. Usually not as drastic, but it can definitely happen. It's more noticeable in baseball. We didn't really add this until fo- in football until five six years ago. It's more noticeable in baseball, but um, so in a keeper league for football, the opposite happens, right? Where um, where say somebody gets, uh, you know, someone got David or someone got Justin Jefferson for you know, thirty of sixty. Yeah, yes, for thirty a year ago. Or say uh, you st- you can still keep. Say you got him for a dollar in his rookie year, right, and are still keeping him. Suddenly, you're keeping Justin Jefferson for one dollar. And he should be going for $59. So then what happens is the opposite. Instead of everyone's prices going down because there's less money available, there's suddenly more money available for the same pool of available talent. Because just with Justin Jefferson alone, there's 58 extra dollars out there in the player pool. And the player pool hasn't changed itself. Now, you take 12 you take twelve uh, teams who each get to keep two people, for example, you know, generally they're going to be keeping players that are our value, right? That players mm-hmm. that uh, they can keep them at less of a price than they would cost if they went to auction this season, right? So you take that effect, 24 players off the board for less than they should go to. That often means hundreds of dollars are back in the player pool for a lesser talented pool, which basically means if you're in this type of keeper league, you're going to run the inflation and all the prices of the available talent is going to go way, way, way up. And I always, you know, tell this story about some of my buddies. We tried to, we tried to start a keeper league from scratch. I ran away with the title the second year because inflation wasn't quite understand it yet. The first year of the, of the keeper auction, everyone was conservative with their money and they saw the amount of talent that was out there late in the draft that they could have gotten for cheap. So then we went into year two where everyone had their keepers. Everyone wanted to be conservative till the end. I was buying, I had six first round picks that year because, (laughs) because once again, and I of course was very, very done early with the draft and was helped a little bit by a $1 David Johnson in his prime, but you have your, so I I spent almost my entire budget on the starting lineup. I got a bunch of first round talent. Didn't really worry about my bench spots. And I mean, just ran away with the league. You know, that would be like having Jefferson Chase, Chubb, uh, Eckler and, and Kelsey this year. You know, it would be like having that type of a team. So definitely be cognizant of inflation in that type of type of keeper league. And just to backtrack one more time, the opposite of that can happen in a redraft league if people are going after the stars and scrubs approach, are spending more money than they need to be spending uh, on that type of talent, then there's less money available for the same amount of talent and the prices go down a little bit. Just make sure you don't fall into the trap of sticking too stringently to those values because, again, you don't want to have your team full of fifth-round picks necessarily and you don't want to have uh, you don't want to have money left over on the board. So that's how inflation can affect things both ways. I, I barely passed... Uh high school, sophomore math class. So I want to be clear to the readers or readers. See, I, I guess I can't pass a grammatical language class either. I want to be clear to the listeners. 
I can't do the inflation stuff. Like I can recognize it. I can be aware of it. But if you were literally sitting there with a calculator, there's probably some spreadsheet guys that can do this. You can't our, do it with the calculator. It's like a, an actual equation our on, app, on a spreadsheet. Uh, like yeah. rotowire.com or the software that we provide is one of the best when it comes to the inflation yeah. you stuff. You just like click the damn button. It's, it's a significant really, that's as easy advantage. As you click the button and everything recalibrates. Now, if you we go to a couple decimal points, if only two guys are off the board and you click the button, people might change by like two cents. You really only have to click it once every 10, 15, 20 picks to get that. And yeah, there's a guy in that league that I referred to that was so, he was so obsessed with that inflation that he went ahead and made his, he basically remade the draft software on a spreadsheet. You know, not many people are capable of doing that. So right. where he could end every single player off and have it uh, inflation calculate live um not many people are, are uh, capable of doing that pay the 15 20 bucks and get your sub <laughs> I've, I've told you like uh and i'll say it again it's like it's giving you the gps map like the directions you can not follow the directions all the time you can take a different street whatever else but mm-hmm. like it's you got shortcuts giving, yep, they exist. it's giving you it's giving you the route to what you want to do uh and i don't know of many other competitors out there that offer that kind of service for these specific sort of leagues just keep that in mind uh when it comes to inflation mm-hmm. we only have maybe five or six more minutes jake so i want to talk about dollar day strategy last week's show we had mentioned late round targets what was it seven or eight i forget what the uh headline that we boasted about was, but late round targets, guys that you're going after. The the idea and concept of dollar days is literally when it's a 12-team league, uh, you have six roster spots to fill and you have $7. So what are you doing with those last ones? You're spending one on most of them, maybe two on the other one. How do you navigate that? What's the strategy? Again, if you're avoiding one of the binge zones, again, there's essentially two during an auction draft, you will be left, I think, from a successful standpoint, on having four or five roster spots, depending on what your length is, mm-hmm. that can be filled with $1. Now, you, you have to read the rest of the room. If the rest of the room is not capable of that and you're getting stuck with a Bailey Zappi uh, with one of the very <laughs> last picks, then then you've failed. But for the most part, if you avoided the binge zone, you should be in a good spot where two or three of these roster spots can be done successfully with dollar days, right? Exactly. And I'm actually... I'm probably spending, uh, you know, having more than the four or five of these roster spots. Right? Yeah, you're, like you're to, in the upper level. Because not only am I targeting the top guys, like I said, I'm spending 90 95% of my budget on my starters. Not only am I targeting the top guys, if I have $18 left, I don't mind paying 15 for a middle guy that I like, you know, and, and then going to the dollar days. So, yeah, so at the very, very, very end of the draft, when everyone's in dollar days, it basically turns into a snake draft, right? Because you're taking turns yep. nominating players, and you get that player because nobody can outbid you. But there is – it is advantageous, like you said – to have seven dollars for four guys or something, because what I'm can glad happen? Glad you bring at, this up. Yes, because what can happen here at the end of the drafts is there is going to be a six or seven dollar player that gets forgotten about. There's going to be, let's just say, um, a Deontay Johnson, a Jamal Williams, and Elijah Moore, maybe a Michael Thomas or a Cortland Sutton that gets, uh, you know, maybe that might be a little bit of a stretch. But there's going to be some of those guys. Um, that, that fall down to dollar days because, you know, they were just overlooked. And you want to be able to have enough purchasing power and, and stay back enough to be able to go click the $2 or click the $3. You can see in the auction draft room everybody's budget here. And if you're keeping track of it on the software, you know as well where everybody else is at. So you absolutely want to save yourself a couple extra dollars in wiggle room because there will be some big values at the end of the draft. So do whatever you can. Even if uh, there's a player that you love, do whatever you can to be able to pick two or three guys 
to outbid from $1 to $2 and also just have a list of $1 targets. You know, you don't want to yep. be kind of caught with your pants down at the end of the draft here thinking I need to make a dollar nomination, um, you know, and you nominate the top guy on the board who's going to end up going to someone who has $6 left. You know, you just kind of wasted your pick. But if you get, you know, if you go through and you nominate a guy like, I don't know, we talked about Sam Laporta and Irv Smith last week, right? They're going to be dollar days guys in, in most often in most auctions. That's going to get you through uh, the end of your draft and uh, without, and still give you, you know, if you plan correctly, still give you the extra one, two dollars to outbid. If so, if say, you know, let, let's just say, for example, uh, yeah, Michael Thomas, we got him at five dollars. Maybe that's a bad example. Um, I don't know. You like Elijah Mitchell. We have him at three ninety five here, but he could easily slip into dollar days in the draft. You might want to save that extra dollar to bid. Someone's going to think that, oh, my sheet has Elijah Mitchell at one dollar. Nope, because Joe steps in and got him for two. So, you yeah, wanna, I mean, you if your um, targets at the end that way. If I am saying what is of, of the five auction draft strategies to help dominate your leagues, if I'm to pick what's the most important one, it's this. Because you had you had talked about just the beginning, power. Mm-hmm. I want power in every single facet that I can in fantasy drafts. I think the nominating strategy early on, you're getting advantage on that. Great. We talked about uh, managing the inflation, figuring out how to avoid the bin zones. Great. The most influential part is the end of the draft. And even if it means you're cutting the Elijah Mitchell or uh, Uncle Ted Talks Bailey Zappi at the end of the draft, fine. But I want to be the one that decides how I'm constructing that end. Mm -hmm. And I want to construct it over everybody else. Not that I'm saving $25 for five roster spots. I think that's a a wrong way to play it. Um, Mm -hmm. And what your strategy is, Jake, where you have five roster spots and $5, that's fine too. But you'll have specific guys. I want to make sure that you can't like, I think of it kind yep. of like uh, when you take a second quarterback, like Lamar Jackson, who fell, fell too far. And you still have Justin Herbert. You are blocking 11 other league mates from getting $1 Elijah Mitchell or $3 mm-hmm. Cortland Sutton. That yes. power is twofold for me. So I yeah. have to mm-hmm. do that. And there's one more aspect of this too, that if the guy, you know, you could go, you could go way down the list and say, um, I don't know. So you really wanted Kate Otten. Right. You know, right. that's a dollar days guy. Right. But say you're closer to the fringe of that list where like, I don't know, we have Khalil Herbert around a dollar. Some other competitors have him around three dollars um, saving that extra dollar. I, I, I want to say that this is important. They uh, players by default go up at one dollar. Right. You nominate a player for one dollar. If you look across the budget and see there's one other person or two or three other people that have a, a free dollar leeway, they were smart and did what you did. You can block them from getting that person by changing the nomination, the opening bid to two dollars, right? Because then three people go. You save yourself a dollar. Uh, yeah, other, well, yeah, other, yeah. So you save yourself the dollar, and also you you, you might block other people because what could happen is say you only saved yourself a dollar at the end of the draft, right? You nominate someone for one dollar, they get pushed to two, and suddenly you can't bid because you're out. You know what I mean? So you save. You save yourself from getting that player that is, um, you know, that is more valuable by putting them out there for two dollars instead of the one dollar. So in these dollar days, you absolutely have to pay attention to what everybody else in the draft room has, cash wise. Of course, our software does that. Our, um, you know, most draft rooms will do that for that. You can you can go in and look to see what other people have. But that is a great thing to keep in mind during dollar days. You know, you have to have your list of guys in case you get stuck nominating. You need to see who's out there and how much money everyone else has, and be ready to maybe nominate someone at $2 just to make sure you get them and that you can't don't price yourself out by being unable to bid three. It might seem inconsequential. And I reckon when we're talking about Kate Otten or Roshan Johnson, like the average listener is like, okay, yeah, great, Jake, Joe. Uh, really helpful advice. It's it's just about having that blocking power. And I, and I can't understate that. To be able to have the flexibility to decide, no, Jake, 
you're not getting four dollar Cortland Sutton. I'm going to be able to get him, or to do just just to to manipulate the end of the draft because we this concept is applied in redraft, right? In round thirteen, you take the first defense because you want the first defense. You won't get caught on a, on a different train or a rail, right? Where you mm-hmm. coming back and then you miss on your guys. You're doing that with consequential guys like Roshan Johnson or other running. Like you can, you can manipulate things far more when you are the biggest spender mm-hmm. during the dollar days. Budget that accordingly. Recognize when it's happening, and I think that can be one of the most successful strategies yep. uh, in auction draft altogether. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I mean, kind of taking it from the top, you know, grab that one of those first couple guys if you can to make sure you don't get into a, a bidding war at the end of the tier. Maybe grab two of those guys at the top. Get guys in the middle as you need be, but still while making sure, uh, you know, it, it, it's not worth it. Say, for example, um, here, I'm going to look up a player. Um, say you really wanted Calvin Ridley, but uh, paying $25 for him makes you unable to have that dollar day flexibility. Then you probably got to sit back and uh, and give that up. But uh, get, get your middle guys within reason. Save some to give you some flexibility at the end. Um, so that you can actually get your guys uh, at the end if need be. Most of your bench, I'll, I'll admit, most of your bench, most of my benches are always going to be one to three dollars because they're either dollar days guys I set aside or guys that I nominated at two three dollars to make sure other people wouldn't touch. You you list either three or four. That's fine. Number five is buy the software. Seriously, if you're in an auction draft, uh, you're you're having to worry about inflation. You can't do basic math like me. Yep. Buy the RotoWire software. Yep. Uh, if nothing else, our app does that too. Yep, yeah. the iOS app does that too. And okay, so number five, even if it's not a sales pitch, just understand inflation one way or another. We're yeah. giving you an option to make it really, really easy to understand inflation. You can do this in another way. You could be really intuitive and kind of guess in your head where these prices are going to change based on where people are going. But understand inf- inflation is one of the absolute pillars there of this whole. Whole, uh, of this whole situation and and just like we said you know the app cheat code man the app is a cheat code eight bucks gets you everything gets you a whole bunch of data and allows you to do that for this for whether you have one or ten auction drafts we'll have you set we read a lot of the sponsors and stuff i'm, I'm not trying to push the app unnecessarily i just really think it's helpful for these specific types of things and don't worry jake and i are going to give you the means to make your money back towards the end of our podcast when we list our over under win totals uh and player props which we have been infinitely successful off for the past three or four I know, years i almost now. don't want to jinx it we've been too good on that yeah you're right i should be i should be quiet all right just listeners you talk us up a little that. bit here but i think we were what like eight and two on best bets yeah it was, it was and it's been that way for a couple of years now so just just keep that in mind we'll, we'll get you the money back i bet you uh at some point in the season all right that does it for us on this edition of the order wire nfl podcast of course thank you to our sponsors We'll be back in next week. I have my Beat Joe Bartle online championship that'll take place. We're going to be preparing for the stake league. I have, we'll have completed at least two auction drafts by that point as well. There's a lot to uncover about the strategy that we've done thus far to really put a, a capsule on where we think the redraft stuff is going, entering the end of August when a lot of people are drafting. So lots of stuff to cover on top of all the training camp news. Hopefully our boy Jonathan Taylor finds something to work out for him or Jim Irsay is a little bit nicer, one of the two. Uh, But we'll be back in next week. Thanks, everyone. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? 
Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.